The Deep Analysis Podcast, in association with the Information Coalition. Today I'm with uh, Cash Compella, uh, my old friend and colleague. We're here in uh, Texas, in San Antonio, at the AIM Conference. The AIM Conference has been running for many years. I've been coming to it for many years, and uh, we've just had a great time here. We ran a pre-conference workshop on emerging technologies, and uh, we didn't really know if anybody was going to turn up, but we actually got a full room and a really engaged audience. And yesterday we held a panel, again, on the sort of topic of emerging technologies for information management, and we've got a full house as well. And we're not just saying this uh, to brag, but to, we want to talk today about what's changing. I mean, why is there suddenly all of this interest? So that's the sort of the theme for today's episode. Most of the uh, talking today is going to come from Cash. So I'm just doing the introductions here and talking about introductions. Cash, introduce yourself. Hi, Ellen, and hi, everyone. My name is uh, Kashyap Kumpilla, or you can call me Cash. So happy to be back in Texas. I was in uh, Dallas uh, maybe 15 years ago. So good to be back in this uh, Lone Star State and lovely weather, lovely conference. I was in uh, Philadelphia maybe 12 years ago for an AIM conference. So it's been a long time away from the AIM conference, but uh, good to see that they're still rocking. I was particularly heartened with the participation and the engagement at our workshops and uh, panels. Very timely and uh, relevant uh, theme for the audiences here. There's a lot of change in the air for this uh, profession. So that's uh, really the undercurrent for, for all the things that, that we were talking about and uh, discussing. Yeah, and what were we talking about? We were talking about, well, our sort of agenda was machine learning and AI. I think we branded it under deep learning, but essentially machine learning and AI. But we also touched on RPA and blockchain. I won't steal your thunder here, but I was actually surprised when we asked our audience how familiar they were with some of these things. Um, what was the big surprises for you? Yeah, the big surprise for me was that... Uh, we thought RPA was an emerging technology, so it, it had to be explained. RPA is robotic process automation, sort of a seemingly simple technology, but it can be quite powerful if it is used in the right way. So we, we had, I mean, uh, people from about maybe eight countries across the world in this workshop, and we had representation from insurance, representation from different industries. But uh, what, what other industries did we have? Adam? We had uh, people from oil and gas. Uh, we ha- yeah, we had government, we had insurance, we had our oh, fintech in general. Actually, we had a good bunch, and they were pretty senior. I mean, these were people who are you know were in charge of big budgets and running big systems. Um, it was it was a good audience, so it's a good sampling, if you like, of the industry. And many of these uh, are heavily regulated industries. So our going in assumption was that. Uh, Perhaps uh, they're still thinking about RPA, not actually implementing or doing prototypes, etc. But quite a few hands went up and they said, who's doing RPA, who's familiar with RPA? So that that's one surprise. It was a surprise to me, I'll be honest. And the second surprise to me was when we asked about blockchain. Now, we're, we're, we certainly are in the very early days of blockchain. But the amount of hands that went up that was like, yeah, we're aware of it and we're sort of thinking about how we might use it. I frankly did not expect that. Yeah. I think uh, that that's also quite interesting, but at least people would have heard of blockchain. True. And what's also interesting is that in addition to that, we had a lot of people actually doing prototypes to the audience. We right? did. So yeah, that, that you, you're absolutely right. People had thought through. I mean, one of my takeaways, and certainly in conversations elsewhere, has been that 
there's a perception that this industry, uh, AIM changed its name, and it's now Intelligent Information Management, which I think was quite a smart move. Any name change is, is always going to be controversial, but I thought it's quite a smart move. So what, what I was a bit surprised about, but it was really heartening, was that there was a perception that we have legacy ECM repositories, old workflow, whatever. Well, it's true, but those are people who are spending a lot of money. They're the people who really want to get greater efficiencies. They want more insights and stuff. I mean, from the machine learning perspective, the AI perspective, which I know is sort of your heart and soul here, what did you feel that there there was happening in the room there? Do people get it? Were they maybe over-optimistic about what AI machine learning can do? So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's always interesting to see where people come in. In a large workshop uh, such as this, we had like more than 40 people. Yeah. So there are going to be people at different levels of experience, different levels of, uh, of uh, skill sets and different uh, requirements as well. So what, what happens is, uh, and before that, uh, what struck me about this AIM conference is compared to a lot of the other conferences that we go to, the number of people who take the pre-conference workshops is very high. Yes, I mean, about, yes. uh, I would say 20% of the conference attendees were in different workshops. So the emphasis is so much on knowledge, on content, mm-hmm. getting upskill that you don't find in other conferences. So that that's something quite remarkable. I don't know if, if that struck you as a particular... No, I, I agree. Um, I mean, so many people were taking the um, CIP, Certified Information Professional. I confess I haven't done that, but I... Wow, that was popular. Yeah, you're right. People are coming here to learn. But on that topic of learning, near the end of the workshop, uh, somebody asked a question which really clearly struck with me because I think I felt it myself when they said, you know, everybody's talking about AI, machine learning. It's our future. It's going to change our industry. But, you know, I get the impression that in the workplace, if I don't have a PhD from Stanford, what value am I going to bring to the conversation? And I thought that was a really interesting point. I mean, it's just interesting your perspective. I mean, you, you know, you're an AI expert. You are one of these uh, highly qualified, great guys who understands the algorithms and understands that. That's great. That's putting a lot of people off, though, isn't it? It's scaring people, I think. I think people think AI is more complex uh, than it is. That's why through our workshop, we try to do these demos. You read in the newspapers that AI is like all this shiny new thing which can drive cars, which can do a lot of other fancy things. But when you actually demonstrate through examples, they can relate to. Like we use a lot of image recognition mm. technologies. So it works in theory in well in certain very narrowly defined use cases. But when you actually try to see it being used, you, you get an understanding of the kind of accuracy of the kind of precision that you're able to get in specific use cases. Obviously, this varies based on each type of use case. So that's why we try to give that flavor. So when they go back on Monday and see somebody says we can use AI, they're able to much more appreciate that, okay, it doesn't always work in some situations. You need to be what you need to be careful when you're trying to introduce this into your business processes at this stage of maturity. But coming back to your question about uh, skill levels, what, what, what we see is there is a pyramid. Not everybody is going to be cranking out machine learning algorithms. Yes, there is a need for it. But this field is so democratized. I mean, there, there are PhDs who are developing these newer quantitative methods, they're applying uh, these to existing data sets and creating new data sets as well. But 
there is also need for all of this is available to you right now today in the neatly wrapped python packages or r packages or some other like cloud libraries from different vendors so you need to have an appreciation of what you can apply where you can apply how you can apply what is it going to cost you what are the prerequisites what data sets do you need to have what changes do you need to make your existing business processes how do you integrate these into your existing uh, perhaps monolithic content management systems and other systems so one interesting thing is uh, legacy ecm people think that uh, legacy is just going to make way for uh, ai or these new things uh, the next day but that's not going to happen and there are about according to my estimate there are about 15000 large ecm installs traditional ecm installs in the world they're not going to go away so the job for information management professionals for our us as analysts and advisors is to help uh, both of them coexist you have a lot of valuable information valuable assets content locked in these uh, in content repositories so how do you use these newer techniques that are now available to bring value to unlock the value from this that's i think is really the exciting possibility of uh, applying machine learning techniques applying uh, deep learning techniques that, that that's really what enterprises should be working towards it yeah and i think i think you made two really really good points there i mean there is this perception that i've got a legacy system so my focus should be on moving it to the cloud should be moving it to a new system or whatever but if you have a legacy ecm system and it's got 500 million or 2 billion documents in it that's an amazing treasure trove of incredibly rich data specific to your organization your customers that's a that's a strong point not a negative i think but the the other thing you said there which just tied back is that i feel at least and I'm, i'm interested in your thoughts that where we have a real lack i mean yeah maybe we do have a real lack of stanford phd's i think there's an even bigger lack of people who yeah they don't need to know how an algorithm actually works what they need to know is what it does right what value business analysts if you like who can say you know what let's not do that that way i've got a better way now i don't exactly know the ins ins and outs of how that better way works but i know it's going to work and i'll help you map that change that change there's very few people talking about how to make those links make those changes so i don't know my take and i'm interested in yours is the role of a business analyst could really boom again. I mean that used to be a big deal being a business analyst and now it seems like it's an entry level job for some reason. So yeah, I I think uh, we should uh, stop uh, as you were talking through I, I thought like I mean probably they're not business analysts any longer. Hmm? We should think of them as business model analysts or business uh, I like that. strategy analysts or something like that business model analysts. Because uh, the interesting thing with machine learning is that there are two things that can happen you have newer use cases that are not possible before things like how do you bring in structured knowledge or structured data together with unstructured knowledge there are some exciting possibilities out there and the second thing is existing use cases that the information management community has been speaking for a while but yeah. it has more been of a wish list rather than actual implementations people would talk about it but then no yeah i mean this accuracy for instance in auto tagging mm-hmm. is not going to be very high or the accuracy in document classification is going to be okay but it's nothing to get excited about or in a document topic recognition mm. that again so all of, and ecm simply couldn't handle images mm. they were just storing them images yeah. or videos you couldn't analyze them you couldn't extract them so there are these uh, newer use cases as well as existing use cases that can be turbocharged 
So because of these new capabilities that now you have, you can do pretty interesting things in terms of probably your business model will have, a, there are going to be changes in process, obviously. There are going to be changes to your business model. So somebody has to go through and analyze. You need to bridge these two worlds of what's possible with machine learning, with what the, your customers want, where your tech stack is currently at, and map or build multiple bridges. So mm. you take your uh, process by process. And some of these things, uh, it, it's not always possible. But 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 so that, that's why you again say it, it's a journey. It never ends. AI never ends. You're done. It, it's not like you implemented this version of an ECM and you're done for the next three years. It's like I've implemented this for this year. But the technology keeps changing. The customer requirements keep changing. Your own capabilities will evolve. And as you keep doing this thing, your uh, sort of tech systems also, your, your tech stack is also probably becoming uh, uncoupled or decoupled and more modular, giving you more capabilities to do different things. I so, think I think that's a that's a great message actually to close out this. Um, in what you said there was AI, you know, it never it never ends, right? It's an it's an ongoing process of change, and I think that's maybe one of the perceptions which is so out of whack today. There's an idea that hey, all these problems of the past, we can just apply AI to it and it'll fix it itself. And there's some truth to that, but as you said, it also unlocks new opportunities. I mean, that's on the positive side, but it probably also uncovers a lot of other problems that need to be fixed. So I think for information management professionals, just interested in your, your final thoughts on this. I mean, I, I said yesterday on the stage, and, and I really truly meant it, I've been doing this a long time. I don't think there's ever been a better time to be coming into this profession. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I mean, if you approach this with an open mind and a learning mindset, the world is your oyster. The world's your oyster. What a great way to bring an end to this podcast today. Fantastic. Thank you, Cash. Pleasure, we'll be right? talking to you again. I know you've got a book coming out, and so we'll we'll have another podcast on that one. And I, I have a slight insight. It is slight because I haven't seen the book. He hasn't shown it to me. It's but it's, it's coming out in June, so it's tightly under wraps. But we'll talk to you about that next time. Sounds good, Alan. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Bye. And so until next time, if uh, there's anything I can help you with, ping me an email, ping me on LinkedIn, ping me on Twitter, whatever works for you. Always happy to chat. And at Deep Analysis, you know, what do we do? We help people understand this messy marketplace, look for opportunities, be you an end user organization or a vendor. And uh, just navigating and handholding through the complexity can be of great value, I think. And I hope if you're Getting a little bit lost, you'll think of us, but either way, I look forward to talking with you and hopefully meeting you in person at some point via the Deep Analysis podcast.